Tanya Haig. Today's guest is the founder of the Kids 2 movement, driven by Parents Against Child Sex Abuse, or PAXA, a movement about child protection. According to the CDC, one in five children is sexually abused. Tanya shares tips to help you protect your children. She'll also share insights about her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Tanya, thanks for joining me for this important conversation. I'm so excited to learn more about kids, too, and this incredible social issue that we're all faced with. Devin, thanks so much for having me. It really is uh, just, you know, when we talk about child sex abuse, we really are talking about like the worst of the worst. It's just the hardest thing to contemplate. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of context? Help us understand how common this is. We all want to believe it. It rarely happens and it only happens to other people. What's the truth? Well, Devin, the truth is, to your point, this is such an incredibly difficult topic to talk about. So I appreciate you giving us some space here to talk about it in hopefully not a doom and gloom way, but a little bit more uplifting, because I am here to try to empower your audience and parents specifically um, to really wrap their heads around this to protect their kids from this ever happening or interrupting the cycle if it is happening. So just to kind of set the stage, so our country has about 74 million children, about a quarter of our population. And one in five kids, according to the CDC, are sexually abused by the time they're 18 or before they're 18. That is about 20% of the kids, 14 million kids, or 14 million kids. So um, it's huge. And it happens more to girls. You know, um, I know it's not no surprise. It's about one in five, according to the CDC. The numbers get a little bit tricky uh, when it comes to the boy data point, because it's so underreported, there's a lot of negative stigma about boys um, reporting because the data shows that about 95%, at least what's been recorded, um, 95% of sexual abuse is primarily done by a male. So if a boy comes out and discloses that he's been sexually abused, um, so many men don't want to carry that stigma that they themselves are going to be offenders. So it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And then this is one of our other statistics that we really love is um, to your point that a lot of parents don't want to think it's going to happen to their kid or it's, there's so much discussion around sex trafficking globally. Um, the truth of the matter is that child sexual abuse is happening under our very noses. In 90% of instances, it's done by someone the child and the family knows. So it is someone, a, a trusted individual, and that's what hurts the most. And that's why if we, as we've been peeling the layers of this issue in the last five years to try to break into why this is so difficult to believe, it's because the majority of the times it's someone that no one wants to believe that's happened, like doing something like this. And they appear to be very nice, and they could be very nice, but they have yeah. this other side that's causing harm. Yeah. Uncles, church leaders, scout leaders. I mean, it's been, teachers, kind of been horrible, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Teachers. teachers yeah. It's um, it's trusted individuals. And that's when it's so blindsiding and why we've committed so much energy and yeah. effort is that we don't want any parent to be caught off guard about how common this is and how close in it is. So how long ago now did you launch Parents Against Child Abuse? You, you call it PAXA. 
Right. So Parents Against Child Sex Abuse, the acronym is PAXA. We launched that in 2017. I know we were chatting a little bit before. It was right off the heels of me running TEDx Oak Park Women that really um, helped set the foundation of taking on a full-on 501c3, even though for years I had worked alongside uh, nonprofits as a volunteer committee member in my corporate life in cause marketing. Um, so it's been five years. And in the last year in particular through the pandemic, um, we worked alongside a coalition that was really taking on um, child sexual exploitation by way of uh, digital platforms, social media platforms. And we kept finding ourselves in this room, even though you know we focus on close-in predators, what we find the common ground was whether a child knows a predator or not, social media, digital platforms are this provide this connectivity to predators in general. So we felt like we had a stake in the ground, we had something to say, so we stayed connected. And through that work is when we launched our Kids 2 movement to really have this like big rallying cry around parents to parents about specifically social media. But it's been a nice bridge to us lately to not only talk about predators on social media and protecting children, but this much larger topic and how it connects to overall child sexual abuse. So it's been a really nice opportunity to, to talk about both. Yeah. So... Uh... Kids Too, you you kind of launched out of the Me Too movement. One of the key goals is to help prevent child abuse. What are the tips you give parents to help protect their kids against child abuse? Well, first and foremost, we like to say with um, child sexual abuse is, you know, the first step is just being aware that it exists. So many of us are feeling like we are being a protective parent. We're kind of um, the topic lately around parenting has been just kind of how numbed out and auto and like auto mode we are as parents, and especially with the pandemic. Um, we also rely on a lot of other institutions to take care of our kids when we're not there. So schools, camps, um, you know, athletic clubs. Um, we really encourage step two for parents to um, be really engaged with all of these organizations or other and understand what other adults around our children, what that makeup is and what kinds of activities are taking place. And the third one is, you know, really talking to your child. So educating them about, you know, the boundaries around bodies. Um, and I know that can be really uncomfortable, but the topics I have just even with my mom friends, Devin, like, you know, if they didn't have talks with their parents about the, about it, they're not passing that knowledge on to their kids themselves as parents. And then the kids are getting educated at school, or maybe they're not, or they're hearing it second or third hand from a very uninformed kid that's picking up information on YouTube, which is not okay. So as a policy, um, we always encourage that the parents be the first one to engage their kids, even though their spirit might be they want to protect their innocence. That's another theme that's been coming up. But we believe as an organization, you're doing a disservice to the safety of your child if you're not laying at least some of that groundwork about child safety. It's no different from learning how to cross the street safely. It's talking about other dangers that kids need to be equipped and understanding so they can then so, kind of report so how back. Long, how, long, how young do you start? We like to say as, as soon as they're verbal, and that depends on the child's development stages, of course, but at least age two. And you have to meet kids, you know, if you're a parent or parents out there, we all know that you have to kind of meet your kid where they are in their 
growth stages and that conversation, that language kind of evolves over time. But this topic is not a one and done, Devin. It's not like age two is about, you know, no one touches, you know, like kind of really specifying the name of the body parts. Um, if anyone touches you, tell mom and dad. It really needs to continue to be a check-in every single year because predators out there, unfortunately, they they have an attraction that's unfathomable to most of us, but they have a specific age. So all these kids need to be really teed up and checked in and talked to as um, their stages grow. When they're in high school, it's more about, you know, the predators are going for like relationships or convincing them that they're in love. And it's very complicated once those hormones kick in and they look like they're adults, but inside they're not. So it's really yeah. having those touch points along the way and kind of aligning to where they are in their, in their age. Yeah, that is so difficult. How do you coach parents to protect their children on social media? So first things first, um, if you go to kids2.org, we do have a resource called a watch out list for parents that if a parent goes in and add his or her email address, we'll quickly send that list. It's pretty robust. It's beyond the traditional social media channels like Instagram and TikTok. It goes into gaming, um, like Roblox. Um, it goes into chat apps like WhatsApp. Um, so we educate parents first and foremost, being, you know, get informed. And my favorite phrase is get in there. You know, don't be intimidated by these tools. Maybe 20 years ago when the internet was new, um, parents could say like, we just don't understand what's going on. But these platforms aren't going away. They just keep adding them more ways to engage our children. Technically, these apps have an age rating, but the data shows that kids are getting on there younger and younger. And parents think, oh, this is entertainment. But the truth of the matter is that it's a gateway for predators out there to start, strangers, stranger predators, um, to start interacting with our children through chat features. So the third one I would say is one of my favorites is also um, like shut it down. Like there are some chat features, you can shut those down. You can limit access to the devices. The more you limit them, the safer they will be. It still gives kids the ability to be meet, be with their friends and, and be part of accepting that this is a common element of their childhood now. Sure. So it's not about being combative or removing the iPad. It's just putting limits, getting in there and shutting things down. Yeah, really powerful tools. One of the worries, of course, is that despite parents' best efforts to protect their kids from uh, child sexual abuse, that they may be become prey, right? It, it may happen. How do parents detect that and interrupt it, stop it as soon as possible? Oh, okay. This is one of my favorites. So we call them predatory red flags. So one thing is having a conversation with your child the other even larger part of this, Devin, is paying attention to the adults around your children. That does not come easy. With our gut, we don't always trust our gut. We think that if um, the uncle that's being the tickle monster uncle, the overly touchy, um, you know, the, the older teen, the big age difference in kids is something to look out for. So the older teen that has all this interest in playing with the littles in the basement, we call those red flags. Single moms are very vulnerable to predators around them because predators are seeing this window. We know some of the kind of cliche, um, you know, when single female or recently divorced women 
um, kind of moves where they want to come in and all of a sudden be really helpful with the children. Maybe they're really assertive about moving in quickly. Um, so it's really about paying attention around the adult and kind of if someone's trying to just isolate the child in the garage or block party, someone's drinking too much around the children, we call those predatory red flags. And on the PAXA website, PAXA.online, we have a whole category that's called predator profiles. And we also have a PAXA pointers curriculum that educates parents about predators in those close-in scenarios. Yeah, oh, that's that's a really important resource for parents to try and uh, help identify. That. Are there are there behaviors that kids uh, uh, manifest if they are being victimized? Absolutely, and those are called child sexual abuse symptoms. So I don't know about you, Devin, but I've had some medical issues where it's so hard to isolate what the issue is. I'm going through that right now with allergies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So imagine with behavioral issues with children, as a parent, you always hear, oh, you know, um, this too shall pass. This is a phase. We don't get a guidebook to raise our children. Well, the truth of the matter is that when a child's being traumatized through sexual abuse, there are behaviors that come out. And those two also range by age. So with toddlers, they're... they're, um, you know, their anger issues might be stronger. Their tantrums might be more frequent. They might not want to go into the, into the tub or have a really hard time bathing because anything that has to do with their clothes being taken off is incredibly triggering. And then it ranges all the way up as kids get more, you know, retreat as their teens or they start closing the door more. They don't really talk to mom and dad or they're being more sneaky. Um, these are things worth investigating before writing things off about, Bullying is a popular category that parents like to just bucket or people think, oh, he or she's being bullied or it's hormones. The truth of the matter is we really encourage parents to really dig in and add, you know, sexual abuse to the list. I know it's uncomfortable, but like, you know, investigate. Yeah. Great counsel. Great counsel. Well, it is quite an accomplishment to launch a nonprofit and an initiative like this, the scale you're achieving uh, kudos, but l- let me ask. Uh, you know, it requires quite a skill set to accomplish something like this. Within that skill set, what do you see as your superpower? Ooh, you know, I love this question. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I've been told that my superpower is my ability to empower and to energize. Um, individuals. I think you can feel my energy and my passion. I'm like that when, you know, we're empowering a grassroots group of parents who are just, you know, at their wits end, they can't wrap their head around about news that a a favorite teacher has abused a child. Uh, We get pulled in for other community issues when they're in crisis around um, this difficult topic. So what I've learned is that, you know, some of us have been given this gift of um, being incredibly courageous. I've been, you know, at the beginning of launching this organization, Evan, I was told I was really brave and I didn't really understand why. I just felt it was um, such an important gap to fill. Parents are the first line of defense for their children, but we've been left out of the conversation because mandated reporters kind of check a lot of other boxes with educators, lawmakers, medical, um, the medical profession, but we've we have been not spoken to about this to kind of catch up. So um, 
I'm brave from, um, you know, tough experiences. And once you overcome a lot of these fears, you can do anything. And that's where I'm here is to help kind of bring this energy to parents. And I feel like that's maybe my superpower today. Oh, that, that's a great superpower. Um, <laughs> you think back, um, you talked, you alluded to some of the success, right? That you're able to empower groups. Can you give us a specific example of, of a time when this skill, this ability, this superpower really came to bear on making a difference in, uh, in an event, a process, a launch, whatever it might be? Yes, absolutely. Recently, uh, we got invited to participate and to hold a, a parent town hall in one of our neighboring suburbs in the Chicagoland area, where there's you know a prestigious high school was having issues on teen and teen on teen assault, and that technically falls under the child sexual abuse category because it's you know a child doing this to a child, and um, there was a a lot of silence around the topic. There was uh, child sexual abuse material being circulated, um, teens being traumatized and re-traumatized and um, folks not really knowing what to do in a parent community that um, was really staying quiet. They felt like they didn't have recourse or you know, they didn't really know how to navigate. So we held an event there and you know we laid that like laid the foundation of some of the facts. We had talked to some of these community groups within that community, and we really felt like after you know putting together that event, that the baton was being passed to the parents that now had more knowledge, and they felt more empowered coming out of that to take action. There's so much fear around this topic, and predators. Um, they, they thrive on this culture of silence because it's so uncomfortable. And then litigation and being a litigious kind of culture can also really paralyze folks. So um, we really want to break past those bounds because we know all the language and all the tactics um, to navigate that's doing the right thing and protecting, protecting young people. And we want parents to know what those tools are. So uh, we feel really good about that. That's just one example. We have parent groups across the country contacting us. Parents are coming together. There's a revolution mm -hmm. happening, Devin. <laughs> Parents are coming together and they're filling those gaps from a grassroots level to a more structured organization like ours. And it's really great to see. Let's go back to that story, though. And let's let's focus for a minute on how your superpower played into making this happen. What was the how did you use that empowering superpower uh, to make this happen? Well, I would say it's content driven. So we always bring a presentation that is um, fitting the needs of the audience. We also had a panel uh, discussion. So we pull in, for example, um, we brought in um, a private investigator who has over 50 years of experience conducting investigations, who's been hired from state level to national level around these types of difficult topics, um, who knows the laws inside and out. He's been around since some of these initial you know, child advocacy centers have been established. We also brought another fellow parent um, with whom we've helped uh, pass legislation here in Illinois. Um, her name's Faith. So she's a survivor from educator abuse. So kind of connecting that school thread um, to educate parents about some of the nuances and always shedding that light on the parent perspective, right? So the mom felt guilty that she didn't see the signs or maybe she ignored them. So kind of connecting all these concepts like the energy, 
the content, the storytelling, and making it relatable, I think is really what helps um, my superpower flow. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, uh, Tanya, as you think about maybe coaching other people to develop this uh, ability to empower others, what would you coach them to do to develop this strength personally? Uh, Okay, so how to develop the skill in this superpower to have courage and strength. Okay. So it comes from, I would say, um, gathering the facts and getting informed. Parents, there's so much information out there. There's so many organizations working on the behalf of your children um, to keep them protected and safe. So there's no shortage of information starting whether it's our website or other terrific organizations to really lay the groundwork of how to navigate. I think a lot of parents feel a lot more comfortable if they know that there are tools. Um, a lot of folks have already done the work for you. You just need to like take the information to be able to pass it on. I've always been this kind of person. When I find something, I uncover something, um, and I didn't know about it. I considered myself a pretty resourceful person. The next thing I want to do is I want to tell five people, whether it's a thyroid condition or you know a, a medication that works for my allergies that's really effective, protecting kids and watching out for predators um, is right up there. So that kind of starts flexing that muscle to saying, you know, this is what we need to talk about. And just taking that one step and taking that one step of initiating dialogue in a parent Facebook group or wherever that forum is for you, your your mom tennis group. It just takes that one person to bring it up that gives everybody else permission. And that's kind of what I keep finding myself being in the room. I'm that one person who can say this difficult thing and then everyone else starts chiming in. And then that can just keep spreading. So that's those are some of the tips I would give. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tanya, uh, I'm so grateful that you take the time for our conversation today. Before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Kids2 and PAXA? Terrific. Yes, please visit us on kids2.org and paxa.online, two terrific websites, chock full of resources there for parents that is streamlined, gives you some hacks. We've got our curriculum. You can order a resource guide that gets delivered to your home, um, please email us. We help a lot of parents through email on an anonymous level. If you've got an issue, we will reply to you and respect your privacy. And please engage with us on social media. We're on a handful of social media platforms. Choose your favorite. Kids2 and Pacta are both on there. Fantastic. Well, again, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you every success in protecting children from child sex abuse. Thank you so much, Seven. All righty. Let's do some good.